You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL all over the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can find all of our content at LockedOnPackers.com. And whenever you want, you can hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. I am back from my brief hiatus. You may not have noticed because I still had podcasts. I still had newsy podcasts. Uh, I, I did record more than once from Europe where I was with my wife on our wedding anniversary. Uh, I appreciate everyone sending in the questions that they did that made that show possible. I still, I mean, I could do another week's worth of these mailbag shows because you guys are asking such good questions. They're, they're opportunities to offer in-depth answers, which I think is also one of the reasons why we haven't been able to get through more of these questions is, you know, it's not who do you think X, Y. It is it's something that requires a more in-depth conversation, and I think that speaks to the quality of the fans that, that you are, that you that are listening to this show, and I truly appreciate that. Remember, we're not going to talk specifically about the Chiefs game, although I think it, it, it bears discussing in the case of at least one player, uh, but we will get to the 53-man roster, which may be different between the time that, that I start recording this and hit hit publish on the on the website. That is that is how fast and frenzied the moves are in the NFL this week. The Packers have, have made a number of moves, even just since roster cuts. And and there's been a lot that's gone on. And I'm gonna try and parse as much of it as I can in the short amount of time that that we have. But I think we have to start today with this discussion about Khalil Mack. And what complicates the discussion is, no, the Packers did not trade for Khalil Mack. And that would be disheartening if that were just the outcome. And Packer fan, and if the, and if the Raiders decided not to trade him and they were able to work out the $140 million contract he eventually got, Maybe Packer fans would have said, well, okay. But then for him to be traded to a division rival and a team that they play in week one of the NFL season makes this complicated is the is the wrong phrase, but I would say more disheartening if you're a Packers fan. Now, I do wanna I do wanna delve into that for just a second. We don't know what was offered, and there have been conflicting reports on what was offered. Pete Doherty at Packers News said he had two different sources telling him two different things, that at least one first-round pick was in the deal. One one person said uh, it was two firsts. Another said it was a first and other picks. 
Tom Silverstein, also uh, of Packers News and, and the Milwaukee Journal, uh, said that he talked to someone who had worked with, with Brian Gutekunst who said absolutely not. Brian would not have put both the first-round picks in a deal for Khalil Mack. And the Bears did give up those two first-round picks, but in this deal, there's a third-round pick going back, and a second-round pick was sent out. And so what really happened here was the Raiders traded Khalil Mack in a first, to get a first-round pick, and they traded down in the first round. Now, you could view it as, well, the, you know, the Bears traded up in the, in the second round from the third round. Mm, mm, you, you could look at it that way. But the point of, of framing it in either way is to say if Green Bay had offered their firsts in 2019, the only team that could have offered two, that that package theoretically trumps the one the Bears offered. And that is true. Now, that doesn't mean that the Raiders would have looked at it in that way. It is true that coaches want guys who can play. And so to sell a coach on the idea that, oh, well, we can get someone in 2019 and then 2020, that's not just difficult to sell to your coach, that's difficult to sell to your locker room, uh, a team that is a year removed from being 12-4 and four, and being a Derek Carr injury away from feeling like they should be competing for an AFC championship. And so if you're in that locker room, you're going, well, wait a second. We just traded our best player for draft picks. Guys that you hope are going to be as good as Khalil Mack is already. And so John Gruden has a disaster on his hands. And we knew that going in. And that was one of the reasons why it seemed possible that that this kind of crazy scenario could happen. It did seem impossible to me. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, John Gruden is the wild card here. And he may be willing to play the long game. He's the one that has a $100 million deal and who didn't want to give out 90 plus million in guarantees to a player. Well, he's getting $100 million. The practical matter of this is that the Chicago Bears now have Khalil Mack. And he's going to play against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in week one. Now, it doesn't sound like he's going to have a ton of time to get up to speed. He has not played football since last December, hasn't practiced, hasn't done much of anything. He's going to be rusty. We don't even know if he's in shape. And and you will hear players say all the time, there's in shape and then there's in football shape. I, I don't imagine him playing more than 30 snaps. You just can't. And the Packers, you know, Brian Bulaga is going to be healthy. David Bakhtiari is healthy. They are one of the best one-two punches in the league at offensive tackle. And they mostly mitigated the effect that that Mac had on the game when they played in 2015. Mac got a sack, but it was on an escape play where he was blocked. If Rodgers stays in the pocket, it's a it's a clean pocket. Brian Bulaga did a great job on him. Now, can he, in his first live meaningful action since tearing his ACL, be that same old Brian Bulaga? We'll see. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as the week goes on. But I do want to point out here, the Raiders last year, and they and Derek Carr got hurt again, but they had a better offensive line than Chicago has now, a better quarterback than Chicago has now, probably at least comparable receivers. And I know that Raiders defense wasn't very good, but Kalimak was on that defense. 
And he had 10 and a half sacks, and they were still 30th in the league against the pass. And that Raiders team couldn't even get to 500. With all of those structural superiorities to the Bears. Now, the Bears come in with a better defense. I think Matt Nagy is going to be a better coach than Oakland had last year. But all of this is to say, yes, Khalil Mack comes in and makes the Bears better, and he makes them scarier, especially for a team that relies so much on Aaron Rodgers. It's not like Mack comes in and makes the Bears the favorites in the NFC North. I'm not even sure they're any better than the the third best team in the division, and they might not even be that. This is a highly competitive division. Now, it makes the division tougher, but it does benefit the Packers that in week one, they're playing at home, they're playing in prime time, and they're playing with with essentially no preparation from Mac. They're going to have to game plan for him. He's going to have an impact on this game, whether or not he creates pressures, because Green Bay is going to have to be aware every snap he's in where he is. And that is the, that is what you get from a Khalil Mack. And that was why... And I understand Pete Doherty's perspective on this, but that's why he wrote the Packers should have been willing to give up whatever it took, basically, to get Mac. And I just don't agree. There has to be a price. And I think when you look at the track record of these types of mega deals, Tom Silverstein expertly laid this out. When you look at the money that it would have taken, to have the highest paid offensive and highest paid defensive player in football, to account for a quarter of your salary cap with two players, you become so dependent there that you lose your roster flexibility moving forward and you lose the greatest advantage that you have over most of the other teams in the league. And that is that Green Bay has already established itself as one of the best draft and develop teams in football. Now, drafting has been part of the problem over the last three-ish years, but it seems like Brian Gutekunst has taken a step forward. It seems like he had a very good draft. It seems like he had a very good offseason. If you trust in your own process, then you can keep building this the way that they have because they made tremendous progress this offseason, in my opinion, and they can compete for a Super Bowl this year. They don't need to mortgage their future to get him. Now, I I have said I would have traded the two picks. I understand why they didn't. And it would have been a lot to give up. Now, I would have done it because I think the window for any team is just a few years. It takes spectacular special circumstances to have an advanced window. And we've seen that with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010. It looked like they were going to win for the next three years in a row. They fell apart in 2011. They took a step back in 2012 and 2013. You have the you have the injury twice now to Aaron Rodgers. These windows are opening and closing. So does it make long-term sense if you're Brian Gutekunst to say, I need to mortgage my future for the present? Maybe not. Maybe not. I know that's not going to make a lot of Packer fans feel better necessarily because they wanted the player. I thought it would have made the Packers the favorites in the NFL, full stop, and it would have. That doesn't mean not doing the deal was the wrong move, especially if it would have taken even more than what they offered, and the the Bears had to give up two firsts and another day one pick, now in a pick swap, but still, that counts, and given how good the Packers have been with their picks, 
that's not necessarily a it's it's a different risk for Green Bay than it is for say the Bears who haven't been hitting on their high picks as often Mitch Trubisky being the prime example of that so it was a lot to give up and a huge investment to make the reality is the Packers have Aaron Rodgers they don't necessarily have to take these kinds of risks and let's not let's not forget that that's what it was. It was a huge risk, and it is a huge risk for the Bears. A huge financial gamble, and it's going to cost them in the future. If they don't win more than eight or nine games, they could be they could be giving up a primo pick to the Oakland Raiders. Now that doesn't mean that that player is going to be as good as Khalil Mack was, but the Bears weren't a player away, and now this contract is on their books. And that's going to loom large for the next few years, even as the salary cap expands. Around final cuts, there was a lot of really great reporting out there. Reporters are scrambling to make sure that they get it first so that someone else doesn't get it first. So you go to them for all that information. Well, if you want your news coverage, your team, and you don't want all of the clutter, you don't want the ads, you don't want the pop-up videos, you don't want the nonsense then you should be joining The Athletic. And Locked On Packers listeners get a 40% discount on their year subscription, just $2.99 a month when you go to theathletic.com slash LockedOnPackers and use that link. And if you subscribe, you get more than just The Athletic Wisconsin. You get The Athletic National. You get The Athletic Bay Area, you get Toronto, Chicago, wherever you are, and we have listeners to this show all over, you may not just be a Packers fan. Maybe you're a Blue Jays fan. Maybe you're an Ohio State fan. Maybe there are a lot of other places Packer fans live, and that's great. And and you can cheer for whatever other teams you want, as long as you're also cheering for the Packers, obviously. But The Athletic gives you access to to all of the content that they publish when you become a subscriber. So you can be up to date on the Packers as well as all of your other teams. Go to theathletic.com slash Packers for a 40% discount. So by now I've assumed that you have, you have read, you have heard, you have watched, you have, you have discussed and consumed all of the content that's out there around the, the Packers' final roster. And the and the roster is, as of now, set. But it was set as of yesterday and then changed and then could be set as of today and then changed tomorrow. And so not keeping a fullback was surprising. Keeping eight receivers at first before Jake Kumaro goes on IR was surprising. Actually parting ways with Quentin Rollins and Kyle Murphy was somewhat surprising, despite the fact that uh, I, we did predict it on this show. But what I think is so clear is Brian Gutekunst is aggressively remaking the Green Bay Packers in his image of what a football team should be. And Ted Thompson always prized athletes. Gutekunst was asked about final cuts and if it was easier to get rid of the Ted Thompson picks and the moves that he had made. And and Brian rightly pointed out, hey guys, I was in the room. I was there for all these decisions. And I liked a lot of these players. But what he has shown a willingness to do is move on. 
27 players that were on the roster last year will not be on the roster this year. That's half the team. That is half the team being turned over. That is an incredible amount of roster churn. And a lot of it is that that Brian Gutekinds brought in a group of free agents, not something Ted Thompson normally does. But there are a ton of rookies on this team, as is always the case for the Packers. They are still a top 10 youngest team in the league, as they have constantly been under Ted Thompson. But what has really stood out is the athletic profile of the players the Packers kept. And if you look at some of the players they brought in, Tony Brown, I want to talk about Tony for a second. He was a corner at at Alabama, but all of his best plays were coming downhill to make a tackle. He's rocked up a freak athlete, a freak athlete. Remember all of those players around the draft time and their spark scores and their relative athlete scores and their speed scores and all of those numbers that I, that I threw out at you? Jair Alexander, top-tier athlete. Josh Jackson, top-tier athlete. Oren Burks, top-tier athlete. Equinemia St. Brown, top-tier athlete. Jamon Moore, top-tier change-of-direction athlete. Marquez Valdez-Scanling, top-tier athlete. Jimmy Graham, top-tier athlete. Tremont Williams, for his age, absolutely still a top-tier athlete. Kevin King last year. Josh Jones. We've seen this. It started a little bit with the Ted Thompson draft last year. But, but you look at the players they brought in, the players they kept, the players they prioritized. They're the top-tier athletes. And there are a couple, there are a couple exceptions. Devontae Mays was cut. Jeff Janis was cut. They weren't very good football players. And there has to be that baseline as well. And there are some areas still that you worry about. Only four outside linebackers. That could be a problem. They kept four inside linebackers. Oren Burks is hurt, but Antonio Morrison should be able to step in and, and, and play at least in base. There are some formational things that should make some of these problems a little less important. James Crawford was the surprise 53-man pick from the University of Illinois. Former defensive end. Turned inside linebacker. It was his special team's play against the Kansas City Chiefs. A one-man wrecking crew against the Chiefs. That made the Packers say, we have to keep this guy over Ahmad Thomas. And I think the Antonio Morrison trade was a harbinger of things to come in that regard because they no longer needed a backup inside linebacker. What they needed, because that would be Morrison, what they needed was someone who could play special teams, and that was Crawford. And that is the way that that Brian Gutekunst clearly views this roster. There are starters, there are backups, and then there are special teams players and some of those backups are, are specifically going to be special teams players, but there's going to be a core group of players who are only on this team, essentially, to play special teams, but there's going to be fewer of those guys. No fullback because he's good at special teams, no. Four tight ends because that makes the offense more diverse. No linebacker who can only play special teams. That's why Greer Martini didn't make it. James Crawford is on this team because he can play special teams, but also because he has positional versatility. He can rush the passer. He can play inside or outside linebacker. There are very few players that you you look at and say they're only here for their special teams ability. Raven Green, James Crawford, that's pretty much it. And then maybe Trevor Davis, depending on how you view him and, and what his contribution to this team is going to look like at whatever point that that happens. Gutekinds wants guys that can play, but he wants athletes. And so you want to be able to develop guys 
who can play. And if you can't contribute right away, be a freak athlete so we can get you on the field for special teams. That's easy. That's how this works. That's how you get on the field. Trevor Davis battled his way onto the field because he was a core special teamer. There are going to be defensive players in particular who are going to who are going to continue to be on this team year in and year out. Not because of what they bring defensively, but, be, but what they bring on special teams. The best way to find those guys, though, is to get guys with outstanding athletic ability who can come in and play special teams with, with little help and see if you can coach them up and turn them into something a little bit more usable when it comes to situational offense and defense. Week one is fast approaching, and if you are the kind of person who likes to have a little money on the game, then you need to understand that not every betting site is the same. In fact, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on, which is why I always tell my audience to bet with mybookie.ag. They've been in the business for years. They've got great online reviews. I know I always check reviews before I do anything on the internet. Their mobile site is easy to use, so you can lay down cash and win big today. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in a game. You don't need to know any of the complicated betting jargon. You don't need to know what a VIG is. You don't need to understand that much to go to mybookie.ag and win cash now, if you use the promo code locked on, my bookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. So what are you waiting for? Go to my bookie and use the promo code locked on today. You play, you win, you get paid. One little quick note I want to mention the Packers added a running back, Herb Waters. Uh, not going to make the team after after looking like he was going to initially. Uh, the, the Packers added Darius Jackson, who, again, athletic marvel. I, I asked my buddy John Owning, who um, covers the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News and who I used to work with at FanRag, about Jackson and, and what the Packers can expect. And here's what he said. Athletic freak who is a decisive runner. Decent pass-catching ability out of the backfield can play special teams. Vision is hit and miss versus zone. Not as elusive as his athleticism suggests. Backup, change-up type of running back. And that's what the Packers need. Some special teams can play in a pinch. That's all they need. They're going to have Jamal Williams and and Ty Montgomery, and they're going to feel really good about it. And that's great for them. So uh, we'll see how the, the rotation plays out. I don't expect him to get many snaps. He might get three, four, five, just in in the the casual run of play, assuming there are no injuries, we're going to have a lot more time to talk about Packers, Bears, and and what those lineups are going to look like as we move forward. Uh, Tomorrow, we are going to be doing, on Wednesdays, it used to be Opponent Wednesdays, it will still be an Opponent Wednesdays of sorts. At the Locked On Podcast Network, one of the cool things is we have shows for every team. And so Wednesdays, I'm going to bring in the the co-host or the host, of the show of the opponent that the Packers have that week and we're going to chat. And then on Thursdays, if there are other people from the from the opposing team, if I really want to dig in, we will bring in additional guests. I think that that, that will work uh, for us and, and we can continue to go through scouting reports. Maybe one day we'll be a little bit more you know, baseline information and then maybe a little bit deeper on players and scouting reports and matchups and all those kinds of things. 
And then Fridays, of course, will be the scouting report. Next Tuesday, we will have an expert for Expert Tuesday after our Monday recap show. It is football week. The Packers and the Bears play on Sunday. We are almost there for week one. Remember, on Twitter, you can follow me at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Give us a review on iTunes. It really helps with the profile of the show. We continue to do well, uh, even in the offseason. So I'm hoping that as we move forward, you will continue to tell your friends, post about the show, write about the show, tweet about the show, Facebook about the show. Can you Snapchat? I don't even know. Can you Snapchat about the show? I'm not a, a good millennial. I'm sorry. Anytime you want to get in contact with me, you can do that on the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. No, it's not my cell phone, but I do see those messages regularly. So hit me up on there. And until tomorrow, stay Locked on Packers.